we're going to give some context to that this morning. I want all of us to make sure we understand uh, it, when, when we're looking at, at Luke chapter 15, uh, specifically from verse 11 and on down to 32, uh, that we make sure that we analyze both sons. Uh, because there's a lot to be said about one son, and there's a lot to be said about the other son. Uh, the, the father stays the same, but the, but the sons have completely different responses. Now, uh, what, when, when we get to Luke chapter number 15, uh, it starts out with two parables before that. And obviously, you know, uh, what happens before Luke chapter number 15 is, is Luke chapter what? Luke chapter 14. It, it's, it's real easy if you don't make it complicated, right? Uh, but, but Luke chapter number 14 is, is uh, if you would... Is the, is the before sermon to getting into uh, these illustrations or, or, what we, or what the Bible calls parables. Um, it, it's really a, a hard line uh, at, at a sermon that is being preached to people. And, and I, I want you to get that. I want you to get this from Luke chapter 14, uh, verses 12 through 16. Uh, Jesus is, is preaching, uh, if you would, and, and he's talking about this banquet and he says here's what I want you to do I want you to, I want you to go get all the people that you can and bring them to this banquet but, but it's interesting how uh, it's interesting how this whole thing works out Jesus says go and I, I want you to go and get people that are not your friends nor your brethren nor your kinsmen nor thy rich neighbor and I want you to go get all the people the halt and the, line, uh, the maim and the lame and, and the poor and the blind. And, and you said, what, what is that whole deal all about? Here, here's what I, I believe the message Christ is conveying is go and get all of those who can do nothing for you. Go and get all of those who will not profit you anything. All right? Uh, he, he goes to verse number 17 and, and he, he lets us in on, all right, so uh, you're going to go and you're going you're gonna to bid many to come to this, this feast, but here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a group of people that are going to make excuses. There's going to be a group of people that are going to make excuses. And, and we've been through that before uh, in, in all the excuses that were made. And, and then, uh, so Jesus does this in Luke chapter 14 and verse 25. He says, all right, so uh, now that you understand who I want you to go get, I want you to go get uh, the halt and, and the lame and the maimed, and the blind and the poor and those literally of no earthly value to you. I want you to go get them. Uh, and, and, but I want, you to, I want you to bid a lot of people to come. I want you to, I want you to invite a lot of people. Uh, and, and they're going to make excuses. But, and, and then he follows it up with this. Here, here it is. This is exactly what it's going to cost you to follow me. This is what it's going to cost you to follow me. And so he goes down through there and, and, and he, he lays out and he, you know, he, he goes through that big deal that nobody likes. Any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and brethren and sisters and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And so he, he, he gives the, the understanding of what it's going to take to be a disciple of Christ. And then he says, here's what you don't need to count the cost. I want you to consider what it's going to cost to follow me. And then he goes and takes it a step further. And he, and, he, and he just out of nowhere, though, he starts talking about salt. Like, just out of nowhere. We're talking about following Jesus, and he's talking about salt. Like just regular table salt, regular curing salt. He's talking about salt. And he says, salt is good, but if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast out. He that, hath ears, uh, to, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. What is the message Christ is conveying? Listen, salt doesn't, doesn't do its, salt that doesn't do its job, it's useless. So he's, he's, he's laying all of this out about being a disciple of Jesus Christ and about the people that you're going to reach as a disciple of Christ. You're not going to reach. Who are you going to reach? You're not going to reach all the people that you think you're going to reach. Who are you going to reach? You're going to reach the ones that need you. You're going to reach the halt and the maimed and the blind and lame and the poor. That's who you're going to reach. 
Why? Well, because they're going to be open to the message. And guess what they're not going to do? They're not going to make the excuses. He says you've got to be salt. You've got to be salt. Now, 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 what is so interesting about this, whole, about this whole sermon leading up to Luke 15 is that there is two groups of people that are getting near to Jesus Christ to hear him. Well, these two groups are publicans and sinners. They're publicans and sinners. Uh, excuse me, publicans and sinners. And, and the other group is Pharisees. So there's two groups. There's a, a really wicked group of people on, on the outward appearance. And then there's another group of people that are really wicked on an inward side. One looks real religious. One looks real wicked. <laughs> one looks all put together. The other one looks all discombobulated. But they're both coming to hear Jesus. They're, they're both coming, and, and one is coming to, to hear because he's receiving sinners, and the other is coming to murmur because he is indeed receiving sinners. And, and what's crazy is, is how in these parables that Jesus Christ addresses addresses Pharisees and sinners within both of the within all three parables. First he starts talking about sheep. He lays this whole idea out of sheep and uh, you know he's like man what 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 man having a hundred sheep if you lose one so he leaves the 99 he goes into the wilderness he gets it and he, he, he finds it and 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 the application is, is this I've seen you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented he goes to the lost coin and, and he, he does the same thing but now the coins are only it's only a ten piece <laughs> went from a hundred to to now it's ten he said, what, 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 either a woman having ten pieces of silver. Now, now, ten pieces of silver might not have been much money to somebody that had money. But how many of you know ten dollars is a lot when you don't got ten dollars? I mean, how many of you remember the days, no, they ain't here, but how many of you remember the days stopping at the gas station and putting ten dollars in your gas tank? Shoot, I remember scrounging up two dollars and eighty-four cents putting my gas tank. Now, them days is, is long gone. But I will say to, to, to this woman, the ten pieces of silver evidently were a big deal. Why? Because she's lit, she's, she's, she's lit a candle and she swept the house and she's seeking diligently to find it. And, and here is, here's, here's what Jesus is trying to say. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner. That repenteth. And then he goes down to this son. And what's interesting, verse number 11, he says, A man had a certain man. Now this, now we're dealing with people. A certain man had two sons. A certain man had two sons. Now, we dealt with the lost sheep. We've dealt with the lost coin. And now we're dealing with lost, what I believe to be lost sons. Now with the sheep, there was... There was a, a, a one, one of 100 lost, and we went after the one of 100. And, and with the coin, there is one of 10 lost, and we're going, going after the coin. Now, now when you look at, at the story as a whole and, and what the, the primary context of the story is, we've lost one half now. Now, obviously, we know, and we'll conclude this morning, that the other son had as many problems as the one that left. But the emphasis is most definitely on the son that left, who was lost, and who is found. What does that mean? It means that souls matter to Jesus Christ. Sheep matter. Coins matter to people. Souls matter to Jesus you see, the, the Pharisees could get on board with money. They could get on board with sheep. But they weren't so sure about this son thing. The primary direction of the parable is to present to the audience that, 
uh, of the sinners and the Pharisees that there is rejoicing in heaven when a sinner repents. And so he uses sheep and he uses corn and then he uses people. But I want you to see what, what I believe would be the representation of two sons in relation to the audience being sinners and Pharisees. One brother represents the sinner and one brother represents the Pharisee. Last week we dealt with the brother that left home, the sinner. We left with him. Uh, we, 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 we dealt with him. And, and this week we're going to go back and look at the one who stayed. But I've seen something really interesting that I, that I thought it might be needful that we point out. While, while one left and the other stayed, there's not a whole lot of difference in the heart of the two boys. Both of their hearts... Are, 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 are in similar fashion. They're in sync with one another. You say, but, 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 but the tendency of one to not leave has, has overridden the, the moral obligation, the, the, the moral constructs of the one that didn't leave. And we look at him as a kid that's A-OK because he did stay, right? He did stay. He did work for his father. He did do what he was supposed to do. While the other boy, because of his moral constructs, he looks like an infidel. I mean, he looks like the worst of the worst. And he was. He, he, was, he was in bad shape. But I want to present to you this morning that I don't think that either of these boys' heart was nowhere near where it needed to be. I want to pray this morning. Let's just ask the Lord to bless this. And let's ask God to, to help us to understand uh, where, where we're going. Father, I, I pray that you bless this morning. I pray, God, that you use it. I pray, God, that you're glorified and that your name is, is lifted high in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we looked, we looked at the first boy and, and we seen that this young man uh, that left in, in terms of how to spot the slip. How to spot the slip. How to spot the slip before you slip off. How to get in your mind where, where how, how, you ever woke up, you ever, you ever, you ever woke up one day and, and wondered how in the world did I get here? Like how in the world, how in the world did I wind up here? Well, there's always a slip before the actual exit. There's always a, a way to spot the slip before you ever actually slip all the way out the door. Last week we, we looked and we seen that this young man was, was blind to the goodness of the Father. He was blind to the goodness of the Father. You say, how do you know that? Well, in verse number 12 he said, The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided unto him, he divided unto them his living. The younger brother decided that, that, uh, that, that his father was no longer needed in his life and he was blind to the goodness of his own father. Now I want you to make sure you understand something. This young man's request was legal, but his, requ his request was cruel. His request was, Dad, I'm done with you and you're dead to me. His request was selfish. He, he wanted everything that the father could give him, but he did not actually want the father. He was blind to the goodness of the father. But now, make sure you see the younger brother in this whole thing. Look with me in, in Luke chapter 20, uh, in Luke 15, verse 25. Now, the, now his elder son was in the field, and he came and drew nigh to his house and heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Now you remember where how we got to where we are. And I don't uh, I don't know that uh, maybe everybody in the room don't know the story. So I'll kind of give you I'll give you what's going on. Uh, the 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 younger of the son when he asked for his portion of goods, he decided that when when after he got his portion of goods, the Bible says that not many days after, that not many days after this young man took his flight into a far country and there wasted his substance on riotous living. He wasted his substance on women. He wasted his substance on the things of the world. And, and it came to the point that when he had spent all, he found himself to be in want. Now what's crazy is about the time this young man is beginning to be in want, 
there is, just so happens, you know how the Lord does this, a famine arises in the land. Ain't it something that, that when, when, when it, it works like that with me? That just so happens famines arise in my own land when I run out of the thing that I had that was sustaining me for that time period. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like when you got your own happiness building up, when you got your own bank account keeping you satisfied, when you got your own people keeping you satisfied, and then all them people leave, and all that money leaves, and all them things leave, and your own happiness seems to dissipate, and you don't have anything else to bring you joy. It's like, and, and then God sends a famine. You know what that does? He shows you where your life is based. This young man began to be in want, and then a famine comes. So he, he don't have anything, and nobody will give him anything to eat. So what does he do instead of going home at this point? He joins himself to a citizen of that country, and this, this, this citizen of that country, of that far country, obviously was not a Jew, he owned pigs, and he put this young man to work feeding pigs. Now this Jew boy shouldn't have been feeding pigs, for one. He's breaking every customary obligation of his day just to try to live. Well, he comes, he gets in that hog lot, and he looks around, and he's, he, 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 he's thinking... I, I would eat the husk that these hogs are eating right now. And the Bible says that in that moment in time, he came to himself and he said, how many, of my, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare? Man, them boys working for my daddy's got more bread than his own son does. And so what happens? The Bible said when he came to himself, he said, I will arise. I will go to my father and I will say I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am, no more, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And so what happens in this whole process is he goes home and, and the father sees him, sees him and he runs. He, 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 he girds up that robe he has on that day and he runs to the son. He sees him a long ways off and prays the Lord that the father's always looking. He sees the son a great way off and he runs to him and he falls on him. And before the son can get rehearsing out of his mouth what he had rehearsed in the hog lot, he kisses him on the neck. And he grants him forgiveness in that moment in time. Well, the father's tickled to death. The son's home. And how many of you would be? But guess who ain't happy? The brother ain't happy. They've actually, and I, I will say, I, I, can, I can see this happening to my brother. I can see them throwing my brother a party and me out in the woods working somewhere. I get, man, I, I saved that just for him. They ain't even here. Throwing him a party and me being out in the woods, wondering, why, why, man, where'd my invitation go? It must have got lost in the mail, you know what I mean? Like, Dad, did you think to send one of these fools out here to tell me that he had come home and we're throwing a party? Because, I, I, I mean, I can sympathize with the old boy a little bit. But his heart, his heart is in the wrong place. Because he said unto him, the one of the servants, Thy brother is come. Thy father hath killed the fatted calf. Fatted calf. And because he hath received, uh, because he hath received him safe and sound, and, and look in in, in 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 verse twenty-eight, and he was, he was angry. Now, now the question must be asked: Was he angry because he received him safe and sound, or was he angry because he got a party? We know that we know for sure that he was angry because he got a party. I don't know that he wasn't angry because he, he thought he's dead and he's better off without him. But here's what I found out. Either way it goes, he was blind to the goodness of his own father. You see, the elder son is out in the field working. 
he's doing the work, there's a good chance that he's probably a really hard worker. He was doing the, the work that his father taught him to do. And praise the Lord. Praise, praise the Lord that he was a hard worker and that he was in the field and that he was doing the work the father taught him to do. He was a faithful young man, but, but I want you to get this. He couldn't see his father's goodness to himself or to those around him. This young man was in the house, you ready, and doing the work. Now I want you to listen right here. This young man was in the house, and he was doing the work, and he was in the field, and he was doing the work, but make sure you get it, but he did not have the heart of the Father. Man, that ought to scare every one of us to the bone. That we could be in the house with the Father, involved in the work, but yet not have the heart of the Father. That ought to bother us. That ought to make us take some internal examinations to ask ourselves, why are we doing what we're doing to begin with? Do we have the heart? of the Father. You see, the easiest way for people to get sideways with God is to forget the goodness of God in their own life. You ready for this? This young man couldn't see the love of his father because of the sin of his brother. He couldn't see and couldn't accept and couldn't understand and couldn't and, and, and couldn't settle in, settle himself in the love of the Father because the sin of his brother. Listen, this place right here, if you're not careful, will get you sideways on God. Why? Because we, the, 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 those of us that are brothers and sisters in this room, we have sin. We're going to stumble, we're going to fall, we're going to do things unintentionally. Guess what? You're going to do things, un you're going to do things intentionally. And what ends up happening is if you're not careful, you won't be able to see the love and the goodness of the Father because the sin of the brother. The sin of the sister. You can't, I can't tell you how many churches I've been to. that just couldn't get along because they couldn't see the love of the Father. There's a verse that I quote often. It keeps me in a place of humility. It keeps me in a place as a pastor That, that, that I, I'm literally on pins and needles at times because of, of this verse that the Apostle Paul, possibly the, the greatest figure in all your Bible outside of Jesus Christ, would say, Wherefore, let him that standeth, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. What does that mean? Man, it means that you've got to be careful. That you don't fall. Listen, one brother's fall didn't have to result in another's. You get that? One brother's fall doesn't have to result in another. One brother's sin doesn't have to cause you and me. I say it all the time in counseling sessions. I've said it a lot of you in here. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful when you're in a relationship with anybody, any relationship, it don't matter which relationship it is, any relationship, you've got to be careful when you're the offended party of the relationship. You are the most susceptible to become the offender in the near future. You, you the offended party, if they do not have the right heart, 
will 100% become the offender in the days to come. How do you know that? Man, I've seen it too many times. I've seen it too many times. I've witnessed it too many times in my own life. I, I mean, got offended Straight up offended, done wrong on, and because my heart didn't receive it as unto the Lord, my heart didn't suffer with Jesus Christ, what did I do? I retaliated in my flesh. And guess what? Who's the offender now? Who's the wrong or who's who's the wrong the, the person in the wrong now? Well, they're more wrong than me. Are we talking about who's more wrong? Are we are we gonna do that? We're gonna we're gonna stack all that up. Wait, we're going to do that? Because I got news for you. If God was to unveil some hearts in here, wouldn't be no need to stack anything up. Why? Because the one thing we couldn't see in the Pharisee was the heart. And it was the one thing God could see. And it was the one thing God pounded on day after day and night after night. That your heart is desperately wicked. That, that you're, you're, you're full of dead men's bones. You got a whited sepulcher and you're full of dead men's bones. This young man couldn't see the goodness of the father because of the sin of the brother. And, and, and then number two. Number two, he was sure, he was sure that his way was the best way. Now, now I changed it just a little bit. He, it, the, 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 the younger brother was sure his way was a better way when he joined himself to his citizens in that country. Or, or, or when, 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 uh, when, when he left out not many days after and done his own thing. But now I, I, I look at the, the elder brother and he was sure that his way was, was the best way. Look, look what he said. And he was angry, you ready? And would not go in. He was angry and his anger, you ready? He, in his anger, he protested the forgiveness based on the brother's sin. The brother, you, you know what? You, we all know what pouting is, right? The brother got a big old, I mean, went through a pouting spell, sits down on the outside there, probably, probably an earshot of the music, maybe on the front porch, said, to, I'm not going in there. I'm not going to celebrate this hellion coming back. He wants to run and live in sin and, and, and waste all his substance on harlots and righteous living. I'm not coming. So what does he do? He sits outside and he would not go in and he protests the forgiveness of the father based on the brother's sin. Boy, ain't that something. Some of y'all look at me like, man, I can't believe you'd give all them people chance after chance and chance after chance. And you know, what you, you know what I'd say? You might ought to go back to God. You might ought to go back to God because your heart ain't right. Your heart ain't right. You see, you, 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 you're always giving people chances after chances. It ain't got anything to do with me. I stare in the mirrors while I give people chances after chances because I stare in that stinking mirror and I see a dude that God has forgave 70 times 7. He protested the forgiveness. You ready for this? Based on his own goodness to have never transgressed the Father. He protests. He protests this whole thing based on his own goodness. Now, now what, 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 where, where do you see that at? Well, look with me. Maybe you got your Bible out, or it, 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 this verse ain't on there, but verse 29 says, And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. And you ready? Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. So he, he protests the forgiveness based on his own goodness to have never transgressed the Father. And, and may we all understand in the room that that wasn't true either. 
Sounds like a great son. Sounds like a hard worker. Uh, he, he must have earned a lot. Now, now what, what, and, and I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I probably will. He must have learned a lot. He sounds like a really hard worker, but, but here's, here's what I want you to understand. According to Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse 17, this boy already owned two-thirds of everything. He already owned it. How do you know? Because the Bible said that he, he divvied up his inheritance among them. So when the, the, the younger son is asking for the inheritance... He divides it amongst both of them. So the older son was there when the younger son got his inheritance. But they both know that he owns the majority stock in daddy's farm. That make sense? He's probably a pretty good businessman at this point. Why? Well, he's the only one out in the field. He's running this two-thirds that he owns of his inheritance very diligently. I, I would say this, he, he probably knows the Bible pretty well. He knew enough to know that, that he was supposed to honor his father and his mother. He knew enough to know that he wasn't supposed to transgress his father he knew enough to know that that would earn him some credible mention in the whole thing. He's carrying the family name well. And he's bothered by sin. Boy, that all sounds like a good, hearty, independent, fundamental, premillennial, I hate everybody toting anything but a King James Bible. And, and, while, while we're there, you know, we all, we, we're so King James only around here, sometimes it's disgusting, but you, you know, you know they, they ain't none of us mad about it. We're actually tickled, slapped to death that we figured out God's give us words. But he sounds like a prototypical independent he's a great son he's a hard worker he probably gives in the offering he's learned a lot he knows the Bible somewhat he knows enough to get himself in trouble he knows how to quote uh, he, he knows how to quote Matthew 7 1 he knows how to tell everybody not to judge him because he, he, he you can't He's carrying his family name well. He walks in and everybody knows he's carrying the family name well. He's bothered by everybody's sin. You ready? But his own. But you know what's the craziest thing about this whole deal? He misses the heart of the Father. Raising five kids, you know what? It's easy to teach our kids to be hard workers. It's easy to, to, to help them to learn things that they don't know. It's, at times, it's even easier, it's even easy to teach them uh, the Bible and to know the Bible. It's not too terribly hard unless you spare the rod to teach your children children. To carry your name well. My kids are, are, are bothered by sin for the most part. But you know what would be the most egregious thing that I could ever do? Is teach all of them that and then leave this place never really having the heart of the Father. You know what that, you know, you, 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 that's not taught. As the, as the old preachers would say, that's not taught. That's caught. 
You can't teach having the heart of the Father. How, do you, how would you teach it? I would teach me, I would say me and you need to have it full-blown buy-in. 100% buy-in to the heart of the Father. And, and say there's nothing else worth living for. There's nothing else worth giving yourself for. There's nothing else worth giving your money to. There's nothing else worth giving your time to than the heart of the Father. What was the heart of the Father? Well, 1 Corinthians 15 says it like this. 18 through 21 said it was reconciling sinners unto himself. you believe that young man had the heart of the Father? No, he, he didn't. He knew all that stuff, but yet he missed having the heart of the Father. And, and, and let me give you this last one. His pride told him that he deserved better. His pride told him that he deserved better. Luke 15 and verse 29. Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. You ready? And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. This kid is, a, is this fatted calf. Probably trade-off would be a, a goat at that time. So he says, you, you killed the fatted calf for, for that son. But you've never even offered me a kid. You, you never gave me anything for being faithful. That's what he says. You, you never celebrated me. You ready for being responsible? You know, this is the day and age where everybody's got to have a celebration just for doing the things that they're supposed to be doing, right? <laughs> it's one of them things. Like, everybody wants a trophy for doing what's right. This young boy wants the same thing. You, you never celebrate. And look, I'm all for celebrating hard work. Don't, don't think I'm not, I'm not. But this young man's gripe was, you've never celebrated my hard work. You've never celebrated me doing what I should have done. And in his eyes, I believe this boy thinks that his dad is celebrating his son's sin. But remember, the context is the heart of the father. It's not a celebration of sin. It's the heart of the father in sinners repenting. Remember, the coin, uh, the sheep and the coin and the sons. The heart of the Father is sinners repenting and coming back. Verse 31. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. You've been with me the whole time. And all that I have is thine. Son, you, you've been here the whole time. You've been with me this whole time. And all that I have. Son, all the rest of this is yours. And, and so the dad, the dad is almost like, wait, wait a second, son. What else do you want? Because you have already been rewarded, ready, in this life. wonder would he have been satisfied of his brother I wonder if he if he was I wonder if he was so mad if he was so ticked off at his brother because his dad pulled him out from under his brother's thumb How did he pull him out and run his thumb? You remember, it, it, the, 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 young, the young boy is in his hot light and he says, 
man, I'm going to go home and I'm going to say to my daddy, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Man, I wonder if that brother was so mad and upset with his brother that he was just looking to get him under his thumb and one day ruling him in being his servant. Not as a son. You know what I found out? Brother Dan, you come play that thing when you get ready. You know what I found out? People like to watch other people suffer rather than watch people get forgiveness. I believe, now I don't know this, but I believe that this son was so prideful that he knew that that son, his brother, would one day fall in line under him to work for him. And that all of his days from here on out would be lived hanging over with, with, with the older brother hanging over the younger brother's head. Pointing his finger at him. If you hadn't lived like a whore all your life, everything might be, everything might be different. If you hadn't wasted all daddy's, can, can you imagine? Can you imagine just rehearsing, rehearsing day after day, day after day? You know what? You know what that is? That's called bitterness. This boy is bitter, and his pride's what got him there. Verse 30, he starts devaluing the brother. He's like, man, I can't believe it. As soon as he come home, he'd been, he been living with heart. As soon as he come home, he's wasted everything he's got. I can't, I can't believe you do this. He pumps himself up. Tell, he, he wants his father to look and see how good he is. He, he wants his father to look and see how well-to-do he is and how good he is. But, but remember, the whole time what you cannot miss is the heart of the father is about repentance. It's about sinners finding a place to repent. It's about sinners coming back to the loving kindness of the Father. And, and, and the dad says this, For thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Son, it's good that we should be glad. Man, if you leave out of here and you get a whole lot of Bible knowledge, But you can't get the heart of the Father. Well, you've missed the whole thing. The judgment seat of Christ will surely be worthless for those of us that miss the heart of the Father. It's interesting how Jesus, how Jesus Christ depicts this story. And can you imagine being there that day with all those publicans and sinners and Pharisees? I, I can't help but imagine and see all the, the publicans and sinners just gathered right around here in this space. Just as close as they could get. And then on the outskirts, on the outside... They'd be Pharisees and Sadducees standing with their arms folded. Looking down on a man that was receiving sinners and the man that sat at meat with sinners. Man, can you imagine as he's telling this story and he gets to the part about the father and he says, you know, when, when, he, when, the, when, he, when he was a great way off, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So unorthodox for a Jewish middle-aged man like the father of these two sons to be running for one in that day. And then two... He would, had, he would have had to embarrass himself 
What, what, what do you mean? Well, they all wore these real long robes. All of them. All the men wore robes. And if you, if you were going to do anything like that, you, you, I've never wore a dress. Praise God. <laughs> I know it's June, and, but I ain't wore no dress. Amen. But if you, if you were, a, if you were a, a male in those days, you had this long flowing robe on, you know what you had to do? You had to pull that thing up and gird it up around your waist and hold it. But then, Brooks, you, there's another problem because it's a shame for them to see a man's legs out in public like that. So this feller would have had to royally embarrass himself to have met the son on his way in. And everybody seen it. Everybody heard about it. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened with me and you. God sent his only begotten son in the world to condemn not the world. But that through him the world might be saved. How did he do that? He came to us when we couldn't go to him. How did he come? He came in an embarrassing way. All them pictures depicting Jesus Christ on a cross got a little got 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 like a little linen cloth or something. Listen, friend, there that was not our Savior. He was literally naked before the entirety of that world at that known time in his proximity. And he was naked before he was put to shame, just like just like that man shamed himself to get to his son. Can you imagine? Imagine all these Pharisees is lined up. I, ain't, I, I wouldn't pull my rope. Well, that's why you would never get to your son. You would never embarrass yourself because you would never get to your son. You would never embarrass yourself. And I, I, want, I want to take just a minute to apply the logic of the Father. Till you get to a place to where you're willing to be open with sinners, you're never going to get to where they are. You're going to have to embarrass yourself sometime. You're going to have to put yourself out there sometime. Now there's, there's a couple different applications and we're going to let the Holy Ghost do that. We're going to let God deal with you However, the Lord has dealt with you. But here's what I want you to know. Whether you're the young man that needs to spot the slip before you slip off, or whether you're the elder brother that stayed at home, stayed in the house, but don't have the Father's heart. One thing is for certain. God will come to you. The Bible says when the elder brother wouldn't come outside, guess who went to him? This morning, I would dare say that every person in the room can apply some of this. And God is its probably already done it in your life. In some way, some form, or some fashion, God dealing with you in His own way, God wants to change our hearts. God wants us to see that the central theme for our life should be repentance. And it should be gaining the Father's heart. So I'm going to ask you, you ever feel like that? You ever feel like that, that kid, that older brother? If you do,
you're in a dangerous spot. I would dare say that the older brother was in worse shape than the younger. Why? Well, because the younger brother, at least he had enough sense in the holly lot to say, you know what? I'm going to my father. And I'm going to tell my father I sinned against heaven. And I've sinned before thee. I don't know if it was the, I don't know if it was the day when, when dad was delving out the money. On that day when he said, give me what's mine. I don't, I don't know if it was that day he was looking in his dad's eyes and tears rolling down his face. I don't know if that got him in the hog lot where he said, man, you know what? I broke my father's heart. I'm going back to my father. But I know this, the elder brother didn't want nothing to do with his father. He's mad at him. The elder brother's tendency is he gets mad at God. He gets mad at God because of injustice done on his part. You know what that younger brother does? He sees he has no hope but to run to the Father. I don't know where you are. I don't know, I don't, I don't know how this whole thing strikes you, but I'm asking you this. If God's dealing with you this morning, won't you just submit to the Holy Ghost? And just say, yes, sir. Whatever you ask me to do this morning, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want out of my life, God, whatever it is, God, yes, sir. We do that this morning? Let's do this. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Daniel's going to sing a verse. Maybe you want to come. Maybe, maybe there's something in your life God's dealing with you on. And, and God, God has nailed you to the wall on some of this stuff. Listen, you, you are in a place of friends. And God, God don't want your pride to keep you from finding a spot of repentance. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but Brother Daniel, he's going to sing. I'm going to pray here in a minute. I wonder how many of you would just like to get out of your seat and meet me here in this, in this altar. And let's just pray. Let's just pray together here in this altar. And let's just ask God to do something great in our lives and use what was said this morning for the glory of God. Would you come right now, Brother Daniel? Won't you?